Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. This is the Pitchfork Review. I'm Pooja Patel, the Editor-in-Chief. year when we at Pitchfork like to take a second to pause and revisit all of the great and some of the not-so-great music that has come out this year so far. Last week, Jeremy and Anna joined me to talk about some of the biggest albums of the year, our overlooked favorites, and what we're looking forward to next. Today, we're diving into the big songs of 2023 so far. The ones we love, the ones we hate, and the singles that might just give us a hint about what's to come. Joining me to talk about it all is Ryan Domble and Kat Zhang. Hello. Hey. Hey. So I want to start with a song that woke me up this morning that seems to be playing everywhere at the grocery store, from cars, in the club. We are all coming to you live from Clinton Hill at the moment. And I don't know if you heard this, but I heard Boys a Liar Part 2 blasting from what I think was um, teens going to school this morning at like 7.30. And I can't eat enough without you. If you don't speak, does that mean we're through? Don't like sneaky shit that you do. Are you hearing that song literally everywhere? Honestly, maybe I'm just not paying attention, but I'm not hearing it as much as I want to because I love that song. Yeah, it's just in my head. It's just in my head (laughs) on on repeat. (laughs) So I guess that counts. Well, one of the things that is kind of exciting about that song for me is that it does so many things at once. Like it doesn't sound like any other song. It's kind of got the the like hype regional rap voice of the moment who happens to be a young woman from New York, which rules. It's got this like Jersey club slash club rap beat to it, which is also like trending all over, which rules. It also has the TikTok virality element to it because of its association with Pink Panthers, but also because it went viral, right? Like that's how that song blew up. For my money, it's the best big, big pop song of the year so far. And part of it is because there's two artists who are young. You wouldn't exactly expect to collaborate with each other Mm -hmm. either. And the video is so good also where they're just clearly enjoying each other's company, which sounds like a low bar for a video, (laughs) but like a lot of collaborative videos like that doesn't even happen. It's just so infectious on that very kind of human level of just like these two people are enjoying what they're doing. I feel like that song encapsulates so many things that are happening in music right now. And so I thought it would be cool for us to talk about maybe some of the trends that you're seeing 
knowing that they are all working together and people who are being experimental are having huge success right now. Yeah. So you mentioned the the Jersey Club element of it. I mean, one of our staffers, Alphonse, had written about the rise of club rap and there's this, you know, similar use of Jersey Club beats and pop music, whether it's Bad Bunny's recent song where she goes. Or there's this sort of London artist called Jim Legacy, and he's doing mm-hmm. the sort of combination of like R&B, emo, and Jersey Club. So you're kind of seeing that influence sneaking its way through. I feel like one of my favorite personal songs or I made a, a playlist to get me through Coachella Worst Festival on Earth. Um, <laughs> <Damn>. Trademark <laughs> Worst Festival on Earth. But one one song that I love is Nia Archives Conveniency, which also it doesn't necessarily even have any indication that there is going to be this like explosion of that kind of UK dance influence. It's an R&B song that like then completely flips on its head. I can't always say option number three. I'm at your convenience. You ain't never chosen me. Kat, are there other songs that you're seeing that are like really successful in doing that? One producer that we've really loved recently is the Malaysian-Irish producer Yune Pinku. She has this uh, EP out, I think, called Babylon X. And yeah, it's just like a really good sort of like, <laughs> we use the word like baby girl club pop EP. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's very like twinkly and sparkly. Like I feel like people who like Pink Panthers will like her stuff, but maybe it's a bit clubbier. <laughs> That's definitely been this, I guess, like a sleeper hit among the reviews team. It's the renaissance of the baby girl, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Ryan, is there anything that you're seeing? One of the big ones is independent rap is really lapping mainstream rap Mm -hmm. right now. I feel like a lot of the big mainstream rap stars like Drake and Kendrick are kind of off cycle, not really doing that much or they're on tour uh, we're still waiting on ASAP Rocky and and Cardi B this year. They haven't really put anything out, mm-hmm. but smaller artists have really filled that void. Like one is Billy Woods, whose album with Kenny Siegel Maps is phenomenal. I will not be a sound check. I will not be in the green room if it's too lit. Could be at the local Greasy Spoon or Szechuan establishment. Caught y'all by Marriott bathroom blowing marijuana through the vents. We recently gave a a monster score to on the site. Um, <laughs> a monster score. <laughs> yeah. And a couple other smaller rappers, uh, Tia Kareen, who we did a, a rising profile on recently. She put out a mixtape last year called I Can't Wait that is kind of filled with 
rap and hyper pop and pop and balladry. Like there's a rock moment. Like it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's you know first and foremost a rapper, and she had has a hit called Freaky T. And was recently did a remix with the rapper Lotto. That's been exciting. Really curious to see what she'll do next. Another indie rapper is uh, Tissa Korean, who is from Houston and is a very fun rapper (laughs) rapper. or it's just like his mood board is really a huge poster of soldier boy circa myspace (laughs) like basically a printed out version of the of soldier boy's myspace page that is like 90 percent of the mood board and then there's little like maybe neptunes like pharrell's in the corner and like timberland's in the other corner but his brand of rap is dubbed silly like that is okay perfect yeah (laughs) yeah like basically if if Lil B was based like (laughs) Tissa Korean is silly like that's kind of how I think about it (laughs) all the ad-libs are like silly like it's (laughs) it's so fun to listen to so anyway he put out this tape called let me update my status great title for for a big tape as well and it's filled with just kind of banger after banger. There's there's no lulls on this. It's it's uh, a complete roller coaster joyride where the entire roller coaster ride is like going down basically. <laughs> um, so the imagery here is so good. So that's good. And yeah, a song from that one of my faves is called Uh Huh. So another thing that we've been talking about is this kind of burst of regional Mexican music on the charts and just like gaining more solid footing within the United States. Yeah, so this is a huge kind of unexpected uh, or at least unprecedented uh, pop trend this year, which is, like you said, regional Mexican music, which is a term that encapsulates a lot of different subgenres like corridos, norteño, mariachi. And it's kind of marked by, I guess it has a traditional sound, acoustic guitars. There's a lot of brass. There's some tuba, trombone is on it. A lot of instruments you're not used to seeing or, you know, hearing on in the top 10 of mm-hmm. like the Hot 100, mm-hmm. which is kind of amazing. And a couple of the key songs that have really taken off one is by this group called Grupo Frontera called Un Porciento, which features Bad Bunny. And it's funny because you listen to it and it has this traditional sound. But reading the lyrics, it's, it's all about how this singer has 1% battery left on their phone and like they're using it to apologize to this woman that they've done wrong. <laughs> it's this very kind of, you know, modern references to this song that sounds traditional. And I think that contrast is a lot of what appeals to mm-hmm. younger audiences also. The other big song right now is 
by this guy Peso Pluma and Esteban Armado, which is called Aya Baila Sola. Me dijo que estoy muy loco, pero le gusta que ningún vato como yo actúa. Yeah, another one. It's it has that same kind of traditional sound. The story of the song is they're basically eyeing up a girl at a party and like kind of saying, you know, isn't she hot? Um, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a uh, very relatable lyrically and the sound. Mm-hmm. It really is making waves on the charts in America for the first time. This is an unusually good thing to happen within the charts, right? To see Ice Spice in the charts, to see this um, kind of like wave of Mexican music in the charts, but also people having fun. And like, I think we've been unified and being like the common thread in all the music we like is that people seem to be enjoying themselves in the yeah. making of it and in the performing of it and in the like community around it. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Can we talk about some of the other just gigantic out of this world pop songs that have been taking over? Yeah, this song came out last year, but it was one of the first like number one songs of the year. Um, BB Rexa and David Guetta's I'm Good. Oh my God. Parentheses <laughs> blue. I'm sure even if you've never heard it, you would be able to sing along or to like hum the melody because it relies on a really conspicuous Eurodance sample, which is Eiffel 65's Blue Dabadi. Uh, oh, oh, that's what that's called. I, didn't yes. even, I, yes. I am one of those people who like don't know the name of that song, but have definitely heard it. When you first heard this song, did you know the Eiffel 65 song? Yes. If you're in middle school and you're at this gymnasium dance and you're like limited to tube top, like they're going to play that for you, (laughs) you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) But I also feel like Blue is like now notorious as one of the most annoying songs of all all time, right? A hundred percent. It's just like an egregious sample and it kind of ties into this larger trend of artists, yeah, using like really conspicuous, often like vaguely annoying samples because publishing companies are pushing it onto them and because they want to tap into some nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So like some songs in this vein are like the rapper Young Gravy's song, Betty, Mm -hmm. which samples Rick Astley's (laughs) Never Gonna Give You Up. Another really annoying song, to be honest. (laughs) 
Yeah. But it just seems like a trend that's going to like keep on going because of the financial interests. I don't know. We're going to run ourselves into exhaustion, basically. <sighs> Sorry to be like so <laughs> sad about No, this, this is the existential crises of our time, right? Another, this seems like it's actually the biggest song of the year on a billboard level, which is Morgan Wallen's Last Night. Oof. You know, Morgan Wallen is is a infamous country artist. I mean, I, I honestly really enjoyed his last album, Dangerous, but pretty shortly after that came out, he was caught on a video saying the N-word, and it's been very awkward ever since, uh, to put it generously. And, you know, he, this is his follow-up album since that since that incident. Mm-hmm. Last Night is the big hit. Honestly, there's probably 10 songs on from it on the, on the Hot 100 right now. But it's just the laziest country song. <laughs> it's, it's every kind of dumb cliche that people say about country. Can I guess what it's about? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Beers in a truck and girls in the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Cut. I basically <laughs> covered it. That's my guess. Yeah. It's like, an, is yeah. it an apology song? It is an apology song. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> Last night, he let the liquor talk. And it goes on from there. Last night, we let the liquor talk. I can't remember everything we said, but we said it all. You told me. And yeah, the, a lot of the albums <laughs> are these vague apologies. And it's like the only thing worse than not apologizing is like apologizing in the most rote way, like a little mm-hmm. kid that you're like your mom like said, <laughs> oh, you need to apologize for that. Like that's how mm-hmm. it feels. Also, so, blame it on the alcohol is not this is not how we're doing things in 2023. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can we talk about what I think has been one of the most polarizing pop songs as far as our staff goes, which is the Miley Cyrus song, Flowers? It's not interesting enough to be polarizing. Like, to me, it's like just a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of agree with Kat. Like, it is hashtag empowering, but like not like Katy Perry's roar. Don't be demeaning about someone's <laughs> empowerment anthem. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm saying, like, <laughs> It's like, I like the subtlety of the song in general. It's like hashtag empowerment, but the E is lowercase. Maybe. Doesn't okay. make me that excited about her album, which I guess is coming out soon. So I think it's an earworm in a way mm-hmm. that I don't mind, as opposed to the BB Rexa song where I'm just like, get out of my head. At least like the BB Rexa song. God, I can't believe I'm 
<laughs> this is not me mounting a defense, but I'm just like, you know, it's like so brazen that at least it's like kind of funny or whatever commands my attention. Like mm-hmm. I can buy myself flowers as an idea. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like whatever. Like good for you. You have a credit card. Like use it, I guess. <laughs> and not the pitchfork editors hating on women who buy themselves flowers. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> what, is, that that, is that worse than being like, I'm gonna have the best fucking time of my life. That's literally how the sexism goes. Yes. Okay, maybe I'm saying that like she could do more with the conceit. How about that? And mm-hmm. like buying yourself flowers in and of itself is not interesting enough conceit. I mean, it's a diss song about Liam. I think it's fine. Like what she's saying is like the flowers don't matter. I can buy them. They broke up a bajillion years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's let's move on to better fare. Let's talk about just some good music <laughs> that has come out this year that we really loved. So I mentioned the Billy Woods album before, and my favorite song from that is called Year Zero with Danny Brown. And Danny Brown gives us my favorite rap verse of the year. And Mm -hmm. this song is kind of a post-apocalyptic track. Like there's a lot of bulging distortion and the production is like very kind of eerie, creepy. Mm. And on this song, Danny Brown comes in so hot. Like this verse is everything I want from a rap verse. Like there are references to Goodwill Hunting and Cool Runnings. He rhymes <laughs> Goodwill Hunting and Cool Runnings. Amazing. There's a joke about how the McDonald's ice cream machine is always broken on this song. Sell <laughs> them dry food like 20 piece nuggets. Broke like the ice cream machine. You niggas rubbish. <laughs> it's not like a Nas like storytelling masterclass. But this is just like, he's just ripping it. And it's such a joy to hear. So uh, that's that's 100% one of my favorite songs of the year so far. One of my favorite songs of the year, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people's favorite songs, is Chosen to Deserve by the band Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire album is amazing. So it, sometimes it kind of doesn't seem fair to like single out this song. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like such a romantic song in a kind of warped way. The song is basically Carly Hartsman being like, look, I'm kind of fucked up. Like, I grew up and my friends were, like, overdosing on Benadryl. Like, I was pissing in the street. I was having sex, you know, in my car. You love me, and I'm the person that you were chosen to deserve. Even in the title, there's a little twist. There's kind of this like biblical aspect of it, which is significant because she's like a Jewish girl who grew up in like a really Christian surrounding. So there's kind of like the language of fate there. But there also is the language of choice, which is like you have chosen me. And like, you know, we have this kind of like lasting bond in spite of or even because of my sort of like particularities and like fucked upness. That's so touching (laughs) to me. (laughs) There's so many good songs on that album. Like, I think, I will I speak for us all when I say that we'll be one of our favorite staff albums this yes. year? Yeah, I think so. 
Another song I want to highlight is by this Brooklyn duo that we've been following for a little bit called Water From Your Eyes. They are just like big old weirdos. Like they had this album (laughs) in 2021 called Structure, which had like two mirror halves and like a lot of little Easter eggs and tricks in them. And then it was like, first you had like swooning vintage pop and then you'd have some like weird garbled poems and then the halves would end on like two very different versions of the same song. So they just have this attention to like architecture and a form in a way that Mm. a lot of other bands don't. But they have a new album coming out and the lead single of that album, Barley, is just a song that I listen to and I'm like, this rules. And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. The (laughs) lyrics are so oblique. Ostensibly, (laughs) they have like something to do with like late capitalism. But it's like the lyrics are like, one, two, three, four, I count mountains. One, two, best you get this sort of vague image of like the clock ticking or someone kind of daydreaming to like it's very spoken wordy too yeah to yeah. get over like mm. the work day mm. but like the counting really is just like that element that it adds is like this really kind of like flat and cool tone and then there are like a bajillion different elements like kind of shooting off um this sort of like crunchy swirl as if it's like you know you're listening to like broken glass and like a tornado shakers this sort of like drone bleed, there are like drums in there. You know, it's like so hard to talk about like why it works, but it it ends up sounding like, you know, really nothing I've heard before. I feel like something about that song and that band generally is like, it's so fun when you can't necessarily identify the tension release point. And there's just like these so many elements that are like building a a sense of tension and there's no traditional structure about when that will end. So like it forces you to be present in the song and it forces you to be actively listening, which is something that we've talked a lot on the show and in last week's episode about how there's this trend towards like low key vibes (laughs) and, and really like being awash in like self discovery and Mm -hmm. like processing your feelings Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice that some of the songs we're talking about right now are kind of the opposite of that yeah Yeah. i was gonna say yeah yeah water from your eyes is definitely the opposite of that i don't know if this sounds like the same thing but i was gonna ask you what are maybe personal favorites or things that you will be on a personal campaign for to make it maybe onto our songs list at the end of the year or to just kind of get some more support behind them. There's a song that kind of snuck up on me, especially when I read the lyrics. It's by this Philadelphia singer-songwriter named Greg Mendez. Um, He's been around for like 15 years or so. You know, he gets compared a lot to Alex G. He has this song named Maria, which at first comes off like pretty unassuming, but the conceit of it is so funny and the writing is so good. So basically he starts out saying like, you know, I don't really want to open up to you because if I do, I'm going to say something dumb. And then he immediately confirms that hypothesis by saying something (laughs) dumb and going on this whole detour about how he and his friend got arrested at a crack den, like the police were waiting for them. It's a pretty economical song that has a lot of 
dimension to it. And it's something that I have recommended to a lot of friends, especially like Alex G fans, just because of the sweetness and intimacy Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, I need to need to listen to that song. Yeah, I'd say one that I'm really pushing for is called To Be Honest, which is by Christine and the Queens. And it's from his upcoming album called Paranoia Angels True Love. It's a classic Chris song. It's theatrical. It's got all the emotions in, you know, the most kind of blown up sense. It feels like it's its own, you know, mini melodrama. But, you know, it's a it's a lovelorn track. And it made me think about just the title phrase, like, to be honest, this is, you know, it's such a phrase that we kind of toss around like in passing or just like, it's an addendum to a sentence. Mm-hmm. It kind of made me think about it, this phrase, like in a different way, honestly, like almost like to be honest, like this is like the goal of life sort of thing. And that's what Chris does. I think he blows up these things that we maybe take for granted about everyday life into, yeah, these life or death emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's such a great example of that. This is a great segue into talking about things that are coming out. Are there any singles from upcoming albums that have come out that have been particularly interesting or exciting or nerve-wracking for you? Well, Dijon released what is presented as a one-off single, but perhaps there's new music coming along the way. I absolutely loved his 2020 album, Absolutely. I know pretty much everyone else on staff did too, if I were in like in a room of people who I didn't know and I had to play them like one artist, I would play Dijon because I, th- I just like think that everyone kind of likes him. Mm-hmm. And the song that he released is called Coogie. You know, it doesn't make a huge statement within the broader context of his discography, but it just sounds so pleading and raw and good in a similar vein to like some of his other songs. It's he's kind of like addressing someone being like, I'm afraid that I need you too much. Like I'm sort of scared, but I'm going to do my best. I don't know how to describe it. This sort of like gentlemanly quality to some of his music sometimes where he's like, in the song, he's like, if it pleases you, honey, I'll do my best to bear it. Kind of reminds me of one of my favorite lines from like an entirely different artist, although they're playing together this summer, but from Claro in, in Bags, where she's sort of like, pardon my emotions. I should probably keep it all to myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like the sort of like graciousness. Politeness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for whatever he has coming next. Looking ahead, mine is possibly like potentially the Pitchfork MVP of 2023. Definitely in the running right now, which is Fortet. Yeah. I know he was mentioned in the previous episode about albums, but he's so hot right now. You just <laughs> you just need to mention him in every podcast that we do. This is the guy who, you know, has 
dominated uh, electronic dance music across the year alongside his bros, uh, Skrillex and Fred again, headlining Coachella at the last minute, selling out MSG, etc. And he put out a song, a fortet song called Three Drums earlier this year. That is over eight minutes. And I've listened to the entire thing. Endless times. This song, Three Drums, is kind of like a culmination of like a lot of the greatness that he's released, like all the albums that he's put out in the last 20 years. A lot of what I love about them is is in this song. It's kind of pillowy, it's kind of heady, but it has this steady beat, like there's some kind of krautrock elements. And he's hasn't announced a Fortet album this year, but he just has so much momentum. It would seem weird if he didn't put a Fortet record out. So that is definitely near the top of my list. Like this could be a crowning moment, you know, like he's he's just crushing it on every level. And to put out a new album would be real like icing on the cake 2023. Mr. Tet, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me today. This was fun. Thanks. Thanks for having us. The Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast. Catherine Fenelosa at Rococo Punch is our senior producer. James Trout at Rococo Punch is our technical producer. Ryan Domble is our showrunner. Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. I'm Pooja Patel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>